Father, I just lift up uh, David. Thank you for his role here as a teaching elder. And um, Lord, we just position our hearts to receive. And we thank you that he will position himself to release that which you would have him to release to us. God, we are grateful for your word today. And thank you so much that we will not only be hearers, but we will make application to what we hear. We decide in advance to be doers of the word and not just hearers. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So glad to be with you all today. Uh, hope everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving. If you would, uh, stand as we, uh, if you're able to stand and let's read the word. We're finishing up a series today uh, on the full armor of God. And uh, let's, let's read Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can, stand, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And today we'll be talking about take on the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today I'll be preaching on the subject of get your mind right. Let us pray. Lord, I just pray that you would just open us up to receive what it is that you're saying to us in this time and this day. I pray, Lord, that you would use me, a broken vessel, a human, for your supernatural power to work through me to be uh, heard by all of the listeners here. Pray, Lord God, that your word would take root, that we would see fruit both 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. You may be seated. So we've been uh, on this series of the armor of God, and uh, this was a metaphor that was used by Paul. As he talks about um, Roman soldiers. And you can see up here uh, one of the Roman soldiers from um, back in the day. And one of the things that, whenever you think about any kind of soldier, one of the most obvious things you think about is the need uh, for a helmet, right? The reason why you think about a helmet and you think about a sword is because uh, one of the most deadliest blows that you probably could take uh, could probably be to your head. Uh, when you have head damage, it can actually end up causing brain damage. 
And brain damage, you, you maybe could survive brain damage, but it will impair your life for a really, really long time. It would uh, do something to your cognitive experiences and the way that you think, and even uh, maybe even some of your motor experiences. Well, this was a common thought that uh, um, a lot of people have had for thousands of years, um, that your brain affects your mind. Well, there was this lady by the name of Carolyn Leaf who was a Christian, but she was also a brain scientist. And Carolyn Leaf um, was reading the Bible and saw in the Bible that says, where your uh, mind is, there your, your essence will be. As a person thinks, so is he. And so when she saw that, you can go to the next slide. When she saw that, she um, began to, like, as a brain scientist, wonder, can the mind influence the brain? Or does just the brain influence the mind? When we talk about the mind, you're talking about your thoughts, your wills, your emotions, uh, things of that nature. Is it not working? Oh, there we go. Sweet. So you can go on TED and you can, like, check out her talk about this, but... In essence, what she uh, began to discover is that uh, she started doing some cognitive therapies for people, and she saw people that had significant um, brain damage, if they began to think certain types of ways, they actually could, like, heal their brain. And people that, when they had certain types of uh, uh, brain damage and their IQ went down, when they began to think uh, uh, certain types of thoughts and get into certain types of practices, they could actually increase their IQ. So there is something really, really powerful about the brain. Now, I'm not a brain scientist, but when I was a kid, they had the National Negro College Fund, and they told us that our mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so I've learned that uh, over the years. And one of the things that we see in the scripture when we talk about this helmet of salvation, this is not just talking about protecting your brain. It's talking about protecting your mind from the supernatural powers of evil. Now, when you're looking at the supernatural powers of evil, it's not even just uh, um, like, like, like the way it is on uh, X-Men, where you got Professor Xavier and uh, 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 Magneto, where you got somebody doing some kind of mind control uh, type of thing. Uh, it could be some wounds that you've gotten when you've grown up, and, and, and there are some things in your mind that is... Uh, are prevented you from healing like the way that God wants you to heal. Or there could be some things that you may be experiencing in your life that was a little messed up, or it could be some teachings, or it could be some things that you picked up that has prevented you from healing like the way that God wants you to heal. So one of the things it says we got to do is take on uh, the full armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation. And so I want you to say this word with me. Say the word yasa. yasa. One more time. Say yasa. yasa. Now, when I got assigned this text to, to preach, put on the helmet of salvation, you know, I began to ask myself the question. You can go to the next slide. I began to ask myself the question, do I understand what the word salvation means? A lot of times we can read the Bible and we just can assume that we understand what certain words mean because we hear it a lot. And one of the things that you want to know about the Bible is, is that the Bible is a multi-ethnic book. It's a book that was written in Hebrew, it was written in Aramaic, and it was written in uh, uh, Greek. And so we read the Bible in English, 
So even a simple word like salvation, which probably means to save, uh, um, sometimes you can uh, strip out the meaning of it if you don't understand what is being said in the original text. And so I use this like really amazing Bible tool called Google. And I just said, what does salvation mean in the New Testament? And it's this word called soteria. And it's oftentimes associated with spiritual salvation, but it could include physical salvation. But then I began to look and say, what does the word salvation mean in the Old Testament? And it means yasa. The word, the Hebrew word is yasa, and it is a physical type of salvation. And so when you look at the word salvation, it, it, it has a few meanings of it. It means to save, to help in distress, to rescue, to deliver, to set free. And this, this word is very multidimensional. And it's, it's a word that means that God will kind of help you when you need it, when you're in trouble, when you need uh, uh, somebody to bail you out. God is going to be there for you. And see, this word, uh, salvation, is a very multidimensional word. And if we only save it, that word that means that God is only saving us from hell, then we're robbing a lot out of the meaning of the word salvation. So when you look at this, the word, whenever somebody in the Bible is talking about salvation, it means it's both spiritual and physical. It means it's both individual and it's communal. It means that it's both objective and subjective. It means that it's both internal and it means that it is also historical. And so this word salvation is really big and it's a dominant theme both in the Old Testament and the New Testament throughout the whole Bible. But the bottom line of all of this is that the first thing to understand about salvation is that God is the source of salvation. God is the source of salvation. So when you want to understand a little bit about Yasa salvation, this whole holistic understanding of God being the source of your salvation, let me explain to you a little bit of like what this looks like. My man Charles Johnson. He needed a job for a really, really long time. And I remember hearing about it and said, oh, I'll keep a listening out for it. And then I remember a couple of months passed by and I was like, hey, hey, man, you find a job yet? No. And it really got to the point now where it just was kind of like, I don't know if I really want to ask because I don't want, because it's been a lot. And that man has a family and that brother was having to walk by faith and he needed some Yasa salvation. And so what God was doing was waiting until Ebony Walden felt like she was needed to follow the call of God and to start a consulting business and step out in faith and start a consulting business. So that began to open up a job for her uh, um, and, and, and her, her old position that eventually sister by the name of Shekinah Mitchell had. So Shekinah Mitchell she needed to leave her job to, so she can get Ebony's job. But, you know, Shekinah is one of the most industrious people I know. She just didn't have, like, one job. She actually had, like, a job and a half. She was also working for Urban Hope. 
And so there was a sister named Carolyn that was also working part-time at Urban Hope that really uh, needed to work full-time. And she, uh, when, when Shekinah left and she uh, took Ebony's job, it opened up a job for Carolyn to be able to work full-time, of which then at that point, Charles ended up getting Shekinah's old job at VCU, and that is what you call Yasa salvation. That's one of these things that only God can do. And so, like, when you look at uh, uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, Sister uh, um, Shay, Sister Shay got up here a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, somebody gave me a call. And they told me that there were some missionaries that needed to sell their car. They couldn't give their car away because they actually needed their money because going from uh, Richmond to overseas to live there cost a lot of money and they needed somebody to purchase their car. So there was somebody in the church that purchased the car and said, called up Sister Shea and said, hey, you know what? Uh, God just put on my heart to buy the uh, somebody bought the car for you. It's going to be anonymous, and I'm going to give you the car so that could be a blessing. That is again Yasa salvation. And when she got up, she says, "Hey, it's great that I got the car, but I needed you all to know who the source came from. That God was the one that gave the source for my salvation." Now, y'all know one more example of Yasa salvation. Y'all know. Miss Chetta knows how to get her praise on. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's right. Miss <laughs> Chetta, it doesn't matter how loud she gets it if nobody else is praising God, she knows what God delivered her from. But if you notice early in this year, Miss Chetta had a little bit of extra praise. She had a little bit of extra praise, and I had to find out uh, a little bit later on because she was struggling with cancer. And instead of getting angry with God, instead of running away from God, she began to lean into God, and she began to cry, I'm your daughter, God. I know that this isn't my time. I need you to be the one to heal me. I need you to be the one that set me free. I need you to be the one to deliver me. And God, I need some Yasa salvation in my life. And then a few months ago, she stood up here and she said that God healed me from cancer. That is what you call Yasa salvation. So when we look to understand how we put on the helmet of salvation, we got to get our mind right to understand that God is the source of salvation, not the enemy of salvation. God is the source of salvation, not the enemy of salvation. Now one of the things that's really um, blessed about being in a community like ours is that we live in a very economically diverse church. And we got some people here that, for example, you know, um, their parents or their grandparents were able to purchase uh, their college education for them. And so they were able to kind of get a leg up and didn't have to take out school loans because there was a parent or a grandparent that was able to pay for their college education. Or there might have been a parent or a grandparent that maybe helped them to make a deposit on a house. There's somebody that maybe like was able to say, hey, here's twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, and you can purchase a house in this kind of economy. Well, you know, I didn't come from a place like that. 
I didn't know people like that existed, except on TV. And so one of the blessings about our community is the fact that, you know, we get a chance to see another way of doing life. But one of the things that I've also noticed is that um, now that some of these folks are starting to have children on their own, it's an immense amount of pressure to provide that for their children. And so, you know, you got to get your kid in the private school to make sure the education is great so then therefore they can have both the cognitive skills and the social skills to be able to move up and to get the best shot, to be able to get some of the American dream. And there's a immense amount of pressure that a lot of that is questioned by living here in this community. Now, I just want to pass on a gift that I've got from my parents. My parents were in a position to be able to do that. They were in a position uh, to, 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 they did the best they could do to give us what we needed. But what other things that they gave me was when I was in second grade, they bought me a Bible and they made me read six chapters of the Bible every day. It was two chapters of the Old Testament Two chapters of the New Testament, Proverbs and Psalms every day. And their mentality was, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose their soul? So it was important to them that they helped me to understand what Yasa salvation was. And I want to pass that on to you parents that what you want to do at eight years old at least to get your kids began to understand a little bit of that Yasa salvation. And the only way you get a chance to understand some Yasha salvation if you spend some time in the Word of God. And it doesn't matter how old they are, but, 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 but kids do whatever you expect them to do. So if you don't expect them to understand the Bible, then they won't understand the Bible. But if you begin to help them to understand the Bible, and you expect that from them, they will. So if you read a chapter of Proverbs every day for four months you'll get through the wisdom of the Bible four times. And you will end up having a wise child. If you uh, read for four months, uh, Psalms, you read, there's 150 Psalms. And by the time you get into four months of reading Psalms, you get to somewhere about 100 uh, Psalms, 119. And at eight years old, that's when I found out what the longest chapter of the Bible is. As an adult, it takes you about 15, 20 minutes to read Psalms 119. I don't know how long it took me to read it when I was 8 years old. Lord have mercy. But what's fascinating about uh, um, Psalms 119, that there's a couple of facts to consider that will help you to understand a little bit about this text. One is that it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Two, it's a psalm about the Word of God. That is fascinating that the longest chapter of the Bible is about the Word of God. And number three is that King David wrote that song. If you know anything about King David, King David is actually the greatest warrior of the Bible, but then also the one that had the most intimate relationship with God. I think this is important as we are talking about putting on the full armor of God and when this New Testament uh, text talking about this helmet of salvation that we take a look a little a little look at Psalms 119 and understand a little bit of, of why is it that God would put the largest chapter of the Bible 
along uh, to talk about the word of God and embody it with the warrior and the lover of the Bible. Now, some of the folklore tradition of Jewish tradition is, is that David wrote this song to teach his son um, Solomon about what does it mean to know and understand the Bible. To understand what is the word of God. And this kind of a, a, um, poetic technique that, that David wrote is actually what they call an acrostic. And so what he did was he took the Hebrew um, alphabet and each uh, uh, um, section of this is, is, is basically it's like saying like A means uh, adore God and B means you're blessed or uh, C means uh, uh, Christ has risen. So he kind of wrote something similar to that of the word of God and it was way better articulated than my illustration of what an acrostic is. But let me read a couple of things that David passed down to his son. In, in verse 9 it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? He says in uh, uh, verse 18, and I'm sorry, in, in uh, verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, and I, for I am a stranger on earth, and do not hide your commandments from me. See, this is what the warrior has learned um, as, as one who has spent time understanding the Yasa salvation of God when he was out in the wilderness, when people were hunting him down, when he was at war. He got a chance to understand the importance of the word of God for his daily life and living. I want to just read a little bit more so you kind of understand the importance of the word of God. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. There are going to be people that are going to make fun of you because you order your life around the word of God. But he's like, God, let me not get distracted. Let me be a person that is about the word. He said, I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. Don't you want to be a person that has like-minded people that love the word of God, that's helping you to live according to the precepts of God. And the last verse I want to just read from verse 72, it says, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. See, when you understand the alphabet of any language, that is the foundation to understand any language. And part of the problem is there are some people that are upset with God because uh, uh, God isn't doing what they want God to do. But the problem is, is that you don't understand the language of the Bible. You don't understand what it is that God is doing because you aren't spending time in your word. And so if you want to understand what is a Yasa salvation and what is God up to, that you really have to understand and comprehend the word of God, but then to begin to speak some of that language. So if you want...
to have some, get your mind right with some Yahshua, you have to, number one, know that God is the source of salvation. Number two, you got to understand and speak the word of God and the language of God is your salvation. The more that you understand this, the more that you will understand, uh, 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 the more you understand that God is the source of salvation and the word of God, you understand the why and the how of salvation. And see, life is really difficult. Life has a lot of ups and downs. And one of the promises of God that you see are these like little books that they have, and they have like all these like uh, promises of God that you can uh, uh, claim and things like that. There's one promise of God that is, you'll never find in these books, and that's that tribulation will always come to you. <laughs> I've never seen that yet. I always pick them up just to see if it's in there, and it's never in there because don't nobody want to buy that. So as you try to make sense of uh, uh, God and, and how is God at work in salvation, there is something that you, as you read the word of God, you'll understand kind of why does God bring you through a situation where you need saving and how is it that God does this. Now, one of the things you understand a little bit about just how God works, that God is a creator and everything that God creates has some inherent value. For example... A piece of coal has an inherent value in its own essence. Coal is really great for burning. It's great to create create energy for fuel. It's great um, to, to warm you up. A grape. A grape is really great for uh, 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 fruit. It's one of my most favorite fruit. It's really great in its own form. And even like an olive is really great to even put on like salads or well, some people and, and everybody don't like olives, but Olives is another thing that's really, really great for fruit. But here's the thing. When an olive gets broken, it turns into oil. When a grape turns is broken and pressed down, it turns into wine. And when coal puts some pressure and it breaks, it eventually becomes a diamond. And the thing about you is that you're in a form that you have value in of itself, but you got to go through a breaking in order to be blessed, to be fully what it is that God is calling you to be. And so, in essence, what salvation is about is that you got to understand that God is the source and that the word of God is the language that gets you, but you've also got to understand that it's a blessing in the breaking in order to be anointed to be and to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. And there's no way of getting around it because there wasn't a way for Jesus to get around it. See, Jesus wasn't just doing enough. He was a blessing uh, being born as a baby. He was a blessing going around healing people. He was a blessing going around and making some disciples and empowering women and, 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 and touching the untouchables and things of that nature. But there came a point in time where Jesus had to go through a breaking himself in order to be a greater blessing for other people. And if it worked for Jesus, then it has to work for me and you. So this is what we have to understand, is that salvation, Yasa salvation, this holistic, comprehensive, physical and spiritual salvation, it requires us to understand that God is our source, that, that we need the word of God, and there is a blessing in the breaking. Lastly, as we go through this text, it's really easy to think about spiritual warfare and only think about yourself. But you got to remember that soldiers don't go to war by themselves. 
Rambo is only a thing that happens on TV in the movies. There is a breaking that I need you to go through because I need you to be formed and shaped to be in the place that God wants you to be because I'm dependent on you to hold your end of the bargain. There is a calling that you have. There's a calling that Pastor Don has that I don't have and there's a calling that I have that Pastor Don doesn't have and there's a calling that Lawson has that 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 Sean doesn't have and, and Sean has a loss has a, a calling that Lawson doesn't have and there's a a calling that Aaron has that Jessica doesn't have and so on and so on. But there is a process that we need you to go through in order for you to be fully who God has called you to be so that we could be the church and the community and the witness and the kingdom representatives that are fighting against the powers of evil and high places that only you can do. And I only can do the part that I can do. And so it's important that you understand that God is your source and that, that you are a person that is bathing and living in the word of God not on Sunday only but every day because the day of evil is here and the day of evil is coming and the day of evil requires that we need some people that have gone through some things that have leaned on God that have leaned on the word of God and isn't upset and dismantled and disoriented and getting out of formation because the devil is doing what the devil does we need some people that are going to spend some time in the Word that's going to lean on God like the way that my sister Chetta has taught us how to do. We are dependent on you to get your mind right with some of that Yasha salvation and because there's a place for you in this army of the Lord. What I want us to do is spend a little bit of time just in prayer because I think there are different areas where people might struggle. Some people are struggling with God. If you read the book of Psalms, it's okay, you realize it's okay to have a struggle with God. There were times where David was just like, God, I feel like you're abandoning me. And God wasn't afraid of that. God wasn't scared about that. But what you got to do is you got to be honest. And say, hey, God, I know you're saying you're for me, but you feel like, I feel like you're against me. I need you to make some sense of this. There's some other people uh, um, who uh, um, don't know how to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, if you're not a reader, you can listen to the Bible on audio. If you're a reader, if you got a college degree, um, there's no excuse. Spend some time in the Word, and that might be your struggle. There's some other people that are struggling just because, you know, you're just at that point where there's a lot of pressure on you, that you experience a lot of breaking, and, and it's just hard. You know, I know in my life, I'm, I'm experiencing some breaking that, I mean, like, literally, I was telling Joy before I got here. I mean, it's just really, really, really struggling and trying to believe the word of God or what I'm preaching. You might need some prayer in that area. And four, there might be some people that are like, 
lone soldiers that really aren't submitted to anything or anybody. And I know that we live in a very like selfie me generation type of thing, but I'm going to tell you, the way things work in the kingdom, it happens for people submitted to, you can't say you submitted to God without saying you submitted to any person. And so there is something that you got to do to, to say, Lord, Lord, why is it that I just don't trust your process of submission in my life? Why is it that uh, um, I feel like I need to make my own rules? Am I really submitted to the commanding officer or not? So I just want to spend some time and just a little bit of silence. And it's a terrible thing to hear the word and not do anything with it. And if we don't create this space, then we can just walk around, we'll walk away from here and forget that God's word just came forth. close your eyes as I read the scripture and do a little time of prayer finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of god so that you when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which with, with which you can distinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Lord, I just want to first pray for my brothers and sisters that are just struggling with you right now. That's having a hard time. Um, singing and believing that you're a good, good father. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would deliver them from evil. Helping them to, to just not get dissuaded by their circumstances, but believe that you're the Yasa God of salvation, that you're the source of salvation, and that even though you don't know how you're going to deliver them, they don't know how you're going to deliver them, but they know that you will deliver them yes, at the appointed time. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray for the people struggling with the word of God. One, I pray that there's no that we just bind any spirit of condemnation. They don't feel condemned on this. I got an early start, 30 years, like, and I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. So I, I pray for the parents that can begin to sow that seed into their children that they one day will be able to do that. But like for those that just didn't get that start, I pray they start tonight. I pray, Lord, that they would just do a verse or do something. And just try to just try to lean into 
understanding the sword of the spirit and, and help us not be a church that think we're smart enough to beat the devil. Third, Lord, I just pray for people that are just going through the pressing and just doesn't feel like the pressure's ever going to let up. But I pray that we would uh, not be people that would give up but we would endure to the end so that at the end of that process we'll have the type of anointing that you want us to have. That we'll have the, that we'll be transformed in a way that you want us to be transformed so that we can be more valuable to you and your purposes. And lastly, God, I pray that we be people that are good soldiers. That we'll be people that know how to take orders, that know how to submit, that don't feel like we know everything. But there is somebody in our lives that can call us out on our nonsense. That there's some people in our lives that we can we can uh, follow them as, as we follow Christ and just trust the process. And, and if, if the person is wrong, we, we, we let you take that up with them, not, not us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church be good soldiers. We thank you for these things. And all God's people say, Amen. We're going to enter into a time of response. So I'd ask that the prayer team would assume their positions. This is a time for us to... um, Receive prayer, respond to what we just heard. Um, The altar is open. If you want to kneel and pray, if you want somebody to pray with you, they're available.
the place where I'm changed and that's where I'm belong so take me to that place Lord to that secret place your hands some more on that. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Salvation, amen. Salvation, salvation, great day. Yasa, 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 yasa. Gotta have some of that. Amen. But the thing is, you gotta know it, it's all around. It's all around. So we're gonna do a little more of that. And if, if I see somebody not moving, we're gonna keep on singing. They gotta move a little All around. Come on, say it. All around. Everywhere I look, your love is all around. That's the person beside you. Turn to the, turn to your neighbor and say, "Go ahead, get you some yasa this week. Go ahead, get you some yasa. Go on, get you some yasa. Get you some yasa. Hey, if you can help us with the chairs, we'd appreciate it. God bless. Be encouraged.